I'm Tyler, a mortal whale brain dennering. <laughs> Sorry, that was good. I'm Connery, Papa Dragon's back. <laughs> <laughs> Very original, just like Avatar 2. <laughs> I'm Marin, a fashion designer to the Avatar's Gainey. And I'm Jacob. Our family is a fortress. <laughs> <laughs> Connery just smoked a big pack of uh, marine cigarettes. Big, yeah, I smoked a big pack of orca brain fluid, and I'm just hopped up and ready to podcast. Now you are immortal. You are immortal. <laughs> I just stops. The agent just stops. Mm-hmm. You're immortal in our mind to live on forever. Thank goodness. Through story. That's all I really want. Yeah, that's all I wanted. Through the story and right. song of Avatar. Yeah, you have two yeah. options. Become a vampire to stop aging or hunt Navi whales to stop aging. What would you guys like to do in that scenario? Would you hunt the whales or become a vampire? I would become I a just... vampire so I could Edward Cullen and just, like, drink deer. I would kill myself. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> While wearing Oakley's. Um, <laughs> this is a franchise, a podcast where fans get together to talk about movie franchises, and we're already off to a great, not bleak at all start <laughs> about the state of Pandora no. ourselves. We got some positive things-ish to say about this movie, so, you know, it won't be, it'll be balanced, just like Thanos wants. Yeah, Thanos wants half of Avatar land to be gone. <laughs> Thanos needs it. Facts. <laughs> Where are we already? We're already in a weird spot in this episode. But we're joined today. Truly. Uh, returning guests. The most returning guests, perhaps. Sequel King, yeah. Jacob Padilla. Hey, hey, hey. That's right. His signature catchphrase. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey. hey. hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> and also returning guest and sequel queen, not related to Jacob in any way, uh, Marin Ganey. <laughs> Yes, yeah. finally not doing another. Well, no, I I did Fifty Shades of Grey too, so it's, that's right. It's another oh. sequel without Christmas, baby. Yeah, we broke you your go. Christmas curse. <laughs> we did. There you go. Although I, I'm ready to go back. <laughs> I'm ready to go back. <laughs> we gotta make. Uh, oh my God, what was that trilogy even called? That the first one we covered, Christmas Prince. Yeah, yeah the Christmas Prince trilogy. I mean, I like those movies, but I just totally forgot what it's called. <laughs> we had fun covering those. Yeah. So that was a good time. We got to go back and make uh, the fourth one ourselves. Oh, absolutely. That's all I really want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, but this time somebody tries to overthrow the uh, royal family. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like Santa Claus Three in some ways. Exactly. <laughs> he has like a long lost sister who's a little older than him, and ha- and has like rights to the throne. <laughs> Yes, and everybody in the challenging family is played by Martin Short. It's like a complete <laughs> <laughs> nutty professor vibe, but with Martin Short. He's the baby, he's the niece, he's the king. He's the reindeer. He's the, he's the reindeer. <laughs> and most importantly, he's the daddy. The daddy. I, I thought you were going to say the weird donut that the Christmas Christmas prince holds. Well, he has that to be one that too. How <laughs> does he hold it like, in between his fingers? Yeah, like... in a very strange way. We are, of course, referencing Christmas Prince three, the subtitle two, two, the subtitles of all of which. Oh, it was the second one because that was where there was a weird like rebellion. Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. Which uh, you yes. can. There was a weird rebellion. You can watch on Netflix and then go listen to the episode with Marin. Mm-hmm. It's great. Do it. Or listen to a bunch of different episodes with Jacob too. <laughs> Do Nine it. Nine other episodes. Nine, really? 
Yes, yeah, my wow. tenth appearance. It's my honor. Hey, it's your tenth. I yeah, I think that's. I think you guys asked me for your special tenth. You want to go oh, for Avatar right. two? I knew that. Oh, I was like, I go. guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> as long as I don't get to do Sicario two. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> you get to do Sicario two, Day of the Soldado, um, and three hundred <laughs> Rise of an yeah. Empire. Mm-hmm. Wasn't the deal. <laughs> the deal has been renegotiated, Jacob. <laughs> pray I you don't pray you don't alter it any further. <laughs> I wish this was the thirteenth episode though for you. Really? Why? One episode per year of not having an avatar. Aw. Yeah, that would have been that would have made no difference. <laughs> <laughs> that would have made no difference. I feel like I'm already skirting uh, around this episode, and I want to go on tangents as much as possible. I mean, that's what the movie does a lot, so we <laughs> might as well do <laughs> Just to really pick up where the movie left off. Yeah. Let's talk about oh, Jacob's yeah. pregnant avatar body in stasis. <laughs> oh, okay. Through magical conception. Tell us more, Jacob. I, I need to learn more about this, <laughs> this avatar pregnant body you have. Well, basically, just there was no father. It was just he. It just arrived. So Immaculate Conception. Yeah, I'm, I'm impersonating Shmi Skywalker. Are you <laughs> Avatar Christ? Apparently. <laughs> I'm not. My child is. Oh. <laughs> that makes sense. And I na- I'm going to name it Sigourney. <laughs> but that's the name good. of the actor. <laughs> so fitting. It's really meta. It's good commentary. <laughs> Well, before we talk about the actual movie, we have to do our usual segment of what's new. <laughs> Thanks, Connery. No problem. Oh. <laughs> Cue the Avatar trailer music. That is so soothing. <laughs> Thank of. you for the refresher. As soon as you said Avatar music, my mind went blank. I'm like, what, is, what did it all oh, sound like? I don't know. What Avatar music? Oh, Mar, that wasn't Avatar. That was Gravity. <laughs> same. Uh, you fooled me. It all sounds the same in space, apparently. <laughs> My heart will go on it's been 13 years since Avatar 1. Throws your Blu-ray copy of Avatar 1 in 3D into the ocean. I don't have it in 3D. I wasn't a sucker. I wasn't a sucker. Do you have the Waterboy in 3D, Jacob? Your other favorite water-based movie? Fortunately not. Just Blu-ray, which is still fitting. Blue. Yeah, good. Ooh, ooh, Blue Ray Water Boy. Oh. oh. This is what oh. people tune in for. <laughs> exactly what they tune in for. Connery, what's new with you? Oh, me. Okay. Well, I was in New York this past week. Grayson wanted to go to uh, dress shopping for her upcoming wedding at Kleinfeld's. Did she find something? No. She, she didn't but. say yes to the dress. She did not say yes to the dress. In fact, she told me she had a very pushy saleswoman who kept on giving her things she never wanted. Mm, of course. Mm, that she does. had the second <laughs> dress. She had this se- tried on the second dress that was just phenomenal, but she was like, no. So, oh, well. Mm. You got to feel it. You got to yep. feel it. Wasn't the style she wanted. 
And uh, yeah, while we were there, we saw two shows. We saw Phantom of the Opera. It's closing on Broadway, so we wanted to get a viewing of that oh. in because I've only ever seen it in Vegas before. What's the difference? A lot. It's a nicer stage. Um, the chandelier floating around. It's, it's longer. The Vegas one is only allowed to be, like I think, an hour. Uh, so I they cut a lot of stuff out yeah. of it. I did not know that. <coughs> yeah. I wanted to say, what's the difference in a slightly aggressive way so that all the theater people can be like, <laughs> scoff. Oh, how dare you? So New York offers the uncircumcised Phantom, and <laughs> Vegas yes. is the circumcised version. Yes, the the full Monty, if you will. Exactly. Yeah, he, <laughs> he has a mask over his whole face instead of just half of it. <laughs> <laughs> and, he wear, and he's wearing a turtleneck. <laughs> oh my yes, god! Yes, of course. But we saw Phantom. It's a, it's a beautiful show as always. There was we had a Black Christine, which was great. It kind of highlights how like white that performance is when like one person of color is on stage. Uh, mm. And what wh- what do you mean? I I haven't seen Phantom. I've only seen like the silent movie with like Lon Chaney, so I haven't seen the musical. Oh wow! Or any newer version. I haven't oh, seen the. G- well, you know, it's like it's like usually just an all white cast. Like literally everything I've seen, it's just an all white cast. And so we had a. Black Christine for this closing show. It took them that long to uh, include a person of color in the show. Hmm. But, yeah, you know, she did exceptional. She was great. I really liked her. She did a great performance. Uh, the Phantom was fucking awful. <laughs> he, he was Worse than he was Butler? J- oh, yeah, I thought he was awful. He sounded like Trump if he could sing, which was really I want to hear that. He was, it's, uh, let me see if, I, I have such a bad headache right now, but let's see if I can just power through it. It was like, Pass your point of no return, pass your point in Stratford. It was so awful. Oh, my God. Mr. Lux, Taco Bell. I will not finish tonight. Yeah, it was awful. If there's ever a Trump musical, I want that guy to play him. But otherwise, I found him so grating. He was so bad. Well, uh, I don't know. Sorry for that guy whose show is now over and he's now unemployed. Well, I'm sure he'll find another role. Maybe something As better fitting for him. As Trump. There are other parts. Then there, we all saw another, a new musical called Kimberly Akimbo, which tells a story of a woman with, with this like very rare genetic disorder where she ages ten times faster than the average person. Uh, like Jack? Like Jack, yes. <laughs> like Except she... <laughs> Wait, yeah, I guess I, I don't know the plot of Jack. But uh, Robin Williams is like a kid. It's ki- it's a little well. It's not really Benjamin Buttony. It's just another like age um, degenerative disorder thing where he's like looks like Robin Williams in fifth grade or whatever. Like he's like a full adult, hairy, hairy. Yeah, man. yeah. It's 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 just like that. Then yes, except follows this girl and her family and. Uh, her life, uh, we're at the tail end of her life right now, where she's uh, 15, about to turn 16, which she looks now like a 80-year-old woman. But yeah, it's, it's actually a really beautiful musical. It, it didn't grip me at first in the beginning. I, I, felt, I felt like all his jokes were like landing flat, and it, I just wasn't enjoying myself for the first maybe like 20 minutes of it. And then all of a sudden, something like uh something happened it started to delve into more like things that not just like it's high school and also i'm i have this disorder and it also kind of turned like well like she's scared of dying and she's scared of like what she's gonna leave behind and like her family and just like the idea of like her mom got pregnant again so they're basically her feelings of her being kind of like replaced by this new baby who like may not be like her 
So a lot of that, her making friends for the first time, some really good numbers. The mom and dad in it are just inspired. They're so like toxic and, but like really funny as well. They just did a great job. Like the actor and actress who played the uh, mom and dad are just like, were just so stupid good. Like I loved them. That sounds really good. I would watch that. Yeah, I highly recommend it. If it comes on tour, you're in New York, hit up hit up Kimberly Akimbo. It's it's really, really good. Oh, nice. Why is it called that? Uh, one of her friends is good at that thing where you can, like, rearrange somebody's name in a different order. Oh. Anagrams, I think they're called, yeah. <laughs> so you keep her real name, but I forget what the first, first one is with the anagram he makes, but the l- last name of it is Akimbo. So it's Kimberly Akimbo. It's not because she's, like, dual-wielding pistols or anything? No, she's not like two wheels. That's, that's what I keep thinking of. Too. Yeah, <laughs> guns akimbo. Yeah, or like the Call of Duty perk. Mm, akimbo. That's why when you were saying, "Oh, you guys should see Kimberly Akimbo," I'm like, "Oh, is it this about this badass girl <laughs> who's like dual wielding the whole time?" Uh, no, the opposite. She is dying. <laughs> the binary well, opposite. She's like living in two <laughs> realities. So. I get it, akimbo, because she's, like, old but young at the same time, so she's experiencing both. There you go. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Maybe that's it. I don't know. I didn't I, I didn't see the show, it. but I would. No, you're absolutely right. I did not she's, connect that until you said it, and that makes perfect sense. She's dual-wielding mortality. She is yes. dual-wielding, like, <laughs> eras <laughs> in her life. Yeah, she's at, like, you, their time of, like, youth and, like, exploration, but also she's about to die. Yeah. She's a boomer and a zoomer at the same time. Yes. <laughs> the boomers I'm are on the boomer, verge of death. <laughs> She's bussing. She's no cap, straight no, bussing. No cap, straight bussing. Is this a, but anyway. an episode of Currents now? <laughs> Someone saying <laughs> straight bussing. <laughs> yeah, then I got home. While on the trip, I got a little sick. Then I got home and got very, very, very sick. And I missed Jacob's reading, and I was very, very sad all of Monday. Or not Monday. See, I don't even know what day it is. All Saturday. Did you get sick from breathing all that uh, Pandora air without a mask on? Pretty much. I refused to hold my breath because I said I'm better than (laughs) Papa Dragon. (laughs) So that's what's new with me. Uh, Tyler, what's new with you? Well, I got AMC Stubbs A-List. Ooh. I have to say it now that I got it. Finally. (laughs) Because I'm currently unemployed, so I have time to go see movies. (laughs) Whoop yes. Whoop whenever until I get another job again. Also, <laughs> for six months. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Also, just waiting around to get uh, my gallbladder removed still. But um, almost there. But I saw Puss in Boots: The Last Wish because I hell yeah heard some good reviews about it. I was I went over to uh, our buddy Cutter White's place, past and pending guest Cutter White. Go listen to our Gremlins episodes and Indiana Jones episodes. Local bad boy. Local bad boy, Cutter White. Thank you for the reminder. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I want to see Cutter in uh, the uh, Oakleys that the Navi Marines wear. <laughs> I want to see an avatar with Cutter's hair. Yes. As well. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Would he still have like a, a ponytail though? Of course. I think so. Yeah. That's non-negotiable. <laughs> yeah. You have to. Uh, Puss in Boots Last Wish is incredibly good. It's I've enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than like anything Pixar or Disney has really made in the past few years. I just feel like Ooh. they've been kind of like some of the... Actually, that's not totally true because I really like Turning Red. But I think this movie is definitely 
like it is making good money so i guess it's weird to say it's underrated but just especially you think it's like puss in boots like from shrek from like 15 years ago i'd say it's a surprise it is a pleasant surprise the last puss in boots movie the first one came out in like 2011 so it's like almost as long as it took for to make an avatar sequel it made it took to take a puss in boots movie but um the animation style it's not really like it doesn't just look like shrek it's very stylistic and it looked very spider verse Yeah, I was going to say, I don't have, like, a great animation lexicon to, like, describe how things are. But it is, there's, like, that kind of drop frame thing that uh, Enter the Spider-Verse has where they, I guess they animate, um, what, half as many frames? Is that what it is, Marin? Do you know? It depends on the production, but I'm guessing that they're probably working at, like, a 24 to 12 frame rate instead of a usual, like, 30 frame rate, which yeah. is typical for digital. Okay. Ooh, yeah, so it is like a, a lowered frame rate, which, hey, ties into Avatar The Way of Water, but <laughs> in an inverse way. But uh, it just it, it, art, it just looks very stylistic as well, and there's just a lot of segments that are a lot of fun, and there's a lot of high energy, but it's also a very heartfelt story about Puss in Boots. Like, he's on his last life, basically, because you know, you know how cats have nine lives? Well, Puss in Boots, he's on his last life, so. and death itself, death incarnate, is chasing him, wanting to take that last life from him. Because Ooh. he kind of wasted a lot of his lives. And even that sequence is really funny. <laughs> the way he, he died eight <laughs> times. Uh, but he's kind of just reconciling with his life. And like whether to continue being Puss in Boots. And wh- whether that person is what he wants to be. Because he's so like in love with the idea of Puss in Boots. And like Salma mm-hmm. Hayek plays... Uh, I can't remember her name. But his, his ex-fiance. Kitty Softpaws. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and there's a little chihuahua that's super cute and really super like just uh heartfelt it's a very heartfelt movie it's not like cynical in any way it's kind of like a, an op a reverse shrek in a lot of ways <laughs> where it's not <laughs> cynical in any way uh and there's just a lot of great performances it's funny and i just overall highly recommend it i don't know it's a great uh 90 or 100 minute movie nice. you had me at a 100 minute yeah, movie exactly. because <laughs> avatar 2 made us sit through what like Two two hundred minutes or something. Yeah, it was. It's three three and a half hours. Yeah, I'd rather watch Puss in Boots: Last Wish twice in a row than watch Avatar two. <laughs> That's my <laughs> recommendation. So. Yeah, I really want to check it out. It's got me uh really interested. I even saw I saw a clip of an action sequence, and that was that surprised me a lot. So yeah, I'm the down. action sequence is great. Want to fighting the Colossus? Yeah, and they were like, "Oh, it's Attack on Titan." <laughs> I'm like, "Wow." So anyways, I've been watching a lot of other movies, but I'll just leave it for there because we have a three-hour movie to talk about. Uh, Maren, what's new with you? Since last I was on the show, I actually am employed full-time now. Yay. Yeah. Yay? Question mark. Yeah. It's definitely a yay. I, uh, I work for uh, Moonbug Studio or Moonbug Entertainment, which produces Coco Melon and Blippi and probably all of the shows that are semi-driving parents crazy these days, but kids seem <laughs> to love. Um, so that's pretty cool. It's been really fun. Um, I'm getting to work on some of the fantasy animal episodes, which are a little bit more Looney Tunes inspired and that's cool. can do a little bit more like action and comedy, which is fun. Other than that, um, yeah, I haven't been to see a movie in theaters outside of Avatar 2, but I did watch Mulholland Drive for the first time oh. and found it very rewarding. Um, really liked it. Just all of it. I would definitely watch it again. Uh, also saw Memento, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio film. So Hell yeah. 
can't, catching up on a lot of things that uh, are labeled must-sees, and Connery and I were also talking about the menu, uh, which mm-hmm. is on HBO Max and is fantastic. It's kind of like a lighter midsummer or hereditary, if you will. Like Ooh, that's yeah, exactly what I compared it to. Yeah. Uh, tra- Tracy was taking care of me when I was <laughs> sick yesterday, and we watched that together. And I made the joke: "This is like a this is like light midsummer, like cooking midsummer kind of thing." Exactly. And oh boy. And, and then sh- then she, I thought it was funny because afterward, after I went to take a shower to like steam my nose out, and then she started watching this like wholesome cooking show instead. So I'm like, "Wow, what like you did a full one eighty. <laughs> oh my god. That that reminds me of a time that my grandma was upset that we were watching SpongeBob at our house, mm. or or was it? It might have been something. I think it was Cow and Chicken because Cow and Chicken <laughs> just yeah just creeped her out. It's pretty um, crude, I guess. Yeah, the animation exactly. is disgusting too. <laughs> I like yeah, it. creeped me out too. Definitely a weird era that like I don't think that Zoomers can identify with <laughs> the kind yeah. of stuff we were exposed to growing up in that way. <laughs> Um, but my grandma flipped the channel. She's like, you should watch something wholesome. And she landed on something that looked like a cooking show. And then she left. And then a giant, like, life-size crab popped out of the refrigerator and started killing everybody. <laughs> it was goosebumps, so. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So. It's like a reverse. Reverse of what happened to you. You went from, like, <laughs> twisted to wholesome. And we went from, like, twisted to twisted, I guess. <laughs> Twisted to more twisted. Exactly. <laughs> we all saw Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, right? Did we all see it? I did. Yeah. Yeah. We should talk about that real quick since it's uh, I don't sure. know, just a recent movie. and We got time. <laughs> we have so much time. <laughs> <laughs> we are safe in this podcast fortress. <laughs> this podcast is a fortress. <laughs> uh, but yeah, what, what everybody think? Jacob, what you... What do you think about Pinocchio? Where is it? Where is it ranking like the Guillermo movies? Which I feel like is an interesting way to approach it because it, it's his Ooh. only animated. Well, I mean, he did all those TV shows. Never mind. But you know, it's a stop motion film. Like, how do you compare that to like a lot of his live action stuff? Uh, it's a very touching movie, of course. Um, I I really wanted to see the other Pinocchio movies that came out last year to compare. Disney it. one. But yeah, the Tom Hanks one and the. I wanted to see the old school Pinocchio too. It's been forever since I saw it, but I just I wanted to hurry up and see it all. I'll see Guillermo's mm-hmm. already, so I just saw it. Uh, his as a whole with all of his movies, um, it probably doesn't crack my top five for him, or maybe my top ten if he's made that many. Uh, it was very touching. Animation's great. Just there were a lot of parts where I was kind of just like. Is this over yet? Is this over yet? Is this gonna just can can we get this going? Can we get this going? It was kind of dozing off a little, and it was the morning. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was. I still I was still appreciating it. You know, it's great animation and everything. I guess just the story itself was like kind of dragging for me, and uh, but still, I'm glad I saw it, and uh, it was it's it's a lot better than. A lot of animated stuff that came out in the last few years. So, um, in terms of his work compared to his live action, like I'd probably show my kids Pan's Labyrinth before showing them Pinocchio. Honestly, your kids are gonna have nightmares for weeks. (laughs) You know the last act of that movie, right? (laughs) 
yeah, the kid dies and becomes a princess. That's exactly what I want them to. <laughs> That's what I want them to believe. Show them that, a little princess, uh, just other dark children's films. Dark well, Crystal. Well, it's more so the message of Pan's Labyrinth that I want them to be exposed to compared to Pinocchio. Yeah. Because, um, you know, Pinocchio is a beautiful film about, you know, dealing with death, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, just it doesn't really, for me, it didn't really, uh, it didn't give as fresh of a perspective on it as I would have liked to have had, I guess. But it's still a beautiful tale about it. Yeah, it is. It is very long for a stop motion movie, which uh, mm-hmm. is like very impressive in in a lot of ways because a lot of them are like an hour twenty because all, it takes so much work to uh, yeah stop motion make it very labor intensive. But yeah, I kind of yeah. felt similar with some of the pacing too, where it's just like he goes back to his thing of like focusing on fascism and World War Two fascism and like fascism in general is bad and like yeah, I mean it absolutely is and it is a worthy subject to explore. Um, and important, but it it felt like it was like the whole segment when they go to like the kids' training camp for like the the, the like Italian fascist youth kids or whatever, and they want to turn Pinocchio into a weapon and stuff. Like oh, that stuff's really interesting, <laughs> and I didn't really think about. That I like that a yeah. lot. <laughs> There's just some parts that I yeah, it just is a lot, and it it feels a little long in the tooth, but because he wants to get so many ideas in there, but I. I I think like the editing and stuff is great and everything like that. Mm-hmm. It just is a lot of movie. I think I don't know. <laughs> it's it's like a stop motion epic or something. But yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Marin, what were your thoughts? It would be really great. I and don't know any children who've seen this yet. Anybody under the age of eighteen. But I I do agree. For me, it felt kind of repetitious. You know, kind of his comfort zone in a way. He kind of took a a a tale and and put it within uh, themes that we've already kind of seen from him. So I think I think that he really did exactly. try to make this for children. So I think that it is valuable because you're getting to see a representation of fascism, why it's wrong, why it's bad, which could be very valuable for kids who might not have been exposed to that yeah. because we, we <clears throat> saw so much shit in kids' films growing up. I feel like we were exposed to more themes where now there's a little bit more of a there's always kind of like people at the top who are like we don't want to offend these people this is too much we need to water it down so I don't think that kids today are getting quite the same hard look and critique at things as we are so I think it's very valuable for that um obviously like you were saying technical masterpiece it's amazing to watch the little documentary that accompanies it and kind of get an idea for all of the work that went into it. Um, I mean, I think they said one shot took an entire month. And <laughs> that's really sobering to, to to imagine, like just working on the same one, like 20 second shot for 30 days straight. But um, yeah, it, it. I love the songs. I think those are my... The thing that was the most valuable for me to see, aside from the animation, I think that the Chow Papa song is <laughs> very endearing <Yeah>. um, <laughs> and definitely very memorable. It reminded me, it actually fooled me into thinking that Stephen Sondheim had somehow risen from the dead. 
oh. and <laughs> had written these songs. So it does it does feel like Steven Sondheim and Guillermo del Toro did like a collab piece for like the music. Yeah. It has that kind of like rhythm to it. It has that like into the woods Sweeney Todd kind of feel in the lyrics. Yes, yeah, that cadence in mm. the the harmonies and the music and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think overall good. Was it my favorite stop motion or animation of all time? Even Guillermo's favorite film of all time? I'd say no. I would agree with you guys there. Yeah, I think it's definitely worth seeing. The The cast, I think, is, is so good. Like the the boy playing Pinocchio. Kid actors in general get a bad rap because <laughs> it's just like, oh, that kid was awful or whatever. It just can <laughs> it can really throw off a movie sometimes when casting isn't like done perfectly. Case in point, I don't know, like Phantom Menace. <laughs> Any way to bring up Phantom Menace, I will. Dude. Poor, poor Jake Lloyd, man. Yeah. Poor Jake Lloyd. It's not his fault. It's just like, you know, just no. like you shouldn't have cast him in that. Oh, yeah, Ian McGregor is Jiminy, <laughs> and that's really funny. Oh, he's so good in that. Which, by that. the way, in Puss in Boots' Last Wish, there's a little cricket character that's a lot of fun. So. Awesome. <laughs> but And then uh, David Bradley, who is Argus Filch in the Harry Potter movies, like the janitor guy, and he's also mm. in Game of Thrones, voices Geppetto, and mm-hmm. it's just like so... Oh. Like you wouldn't. It's like who is it? It, was, it took so long for me to place who it was, and I still never did. I had to like look it up at the end of the movie. But um, yeah, I don't know. Everybody, go watch this. It's on Netflix. It is called Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, but it is co-directed mm-hmm. by Guillermo del Toro and Mark Gustafson. Yes, and uh, co-written by Pat McHale, who did the lovely Cartoon Network series uh, Over the Garden Wall. Oh, hey, there you go. Nice. And who cares what I think about it? <laughs> what? <laughs> you never called on me to say what I think about it. I just assumed you liked it. <laughs> I did like it a what lot. What did you think, Connery? <laughs> I liked it a lot. I feel like I liked it more than all of you guys. Yeah, I I, I feel like I liked it so much more because, like, I don't know. I, I liked the idea of, like, his immortality. That never really entered my brain before. And I liked death. I liked the whole bargain she strikes with him. So I liked that whole thing. I really liked the turn into like the whole fascism thing that happens midway through the movie. And I don't know. I like it. My my grandma died just like two months ago. So I liked the exploration of like death and life being a journey where you have to keep going and remember the people that you lost. And so I I really enjoyed it. It was something that something like that happened to me very recently and so i was like you know what it it makes sense and it really resonated with my heart and i really enjoyed watching it now i feel like a huge jerk you're not a jerk (laughs) 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 nice i'm still not super crazy about it so (laughs) yeah that's the thing you don't have to be is it is it in my top five i mean probably not but i really really enjoyed it and for the moment i watched it it meant a lot to me the uh the fairy godmother uh the 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 cre- the spirit yeah one. the angel she, yeah yeah she was super cool I really liked her yeah I thought she was fine but I just loved death I thought that was like the best thing I loved the bunnies I like every time he was there I was like I this is gonna be a really really good scene I thought the fairy godmother or the blue angel was Kate Blanchett the whole time and I looked it up later so I'm like oh I. she's the freaking monkey okay like, <laughs> she's the monkey <laughs> it's good. The monkey was great too. Oh, it was all really yeah. good. There were so many parts of it. It was just a, it was just a monumental effort. So yeah. good. Character mm-hmm. design was off the charts. So mm-hmm. good. All the backdrops. And Pinocchio's I to, look is great. Yeah. Yeah, and I went to the MoMA in New York, and they had a whole exhibit there for the oh. painting. So I got to see all like the sets in person and stuff, and like all like the figures and that kind of thing. And it was just so cool seeing all that. That is awesome. If you cannot go to New York, they actually in the Netflix 
pop-up shop, or maybe it's not a pop-up, but in the Grove, the top floor has some of the Pinocchio puppets and maquettes and sets oh, on yeah. display for you to see if you cannot make it out from L.A. <laughs> <laughs> East Coast. Yes. That's much better. Yeah. I didn't know they had a Jacob, shop. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, Jacob, what's new with you? Because <laughs> we have, we have we're <laughs> almost at 40 minutes. <laughs> this It's like the beginning of Avatar 2, The Way of Water. The first 40 minutes takes place. Tangent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're right. The first forty minutes take place. <laughs> they take what I was gonna, like. They take place on Pandora, but I'm like, oh, the other place is Pandora. So like, I don't know the jungle. Like, tree home is gone. So Jacob, what's new with you? Yeah, Jacob, what's new with you? What's hurry up, new, hurry up. What's, <laughs> just kidding. Sorry. What's new with me is we had a table read for our Star Wars scripts, which I'm gonna read right now for yes, everyone. Yes, begin the sixty-four Here page goes. script right now. Begin the sixty-four. And action. We open. Uh, but uh, no, we did that yesterday, which is great. Connery, don't worry about it. I already told you how to make up for it. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. Good. And uh, paint everything happens for the reason. Yes, he has to paint my fence. Yeah. <laughs> he never Tom. said what color, though. So I'm going to be creative <laughs> with it. Mm. <laughs> it's going to be invisible paint. <laughs> uh, but yeah, force, everything happens for a reason. So we're good. But it was a good time. Uh, in terms of media I consumed, I saw the movie Violent Night yesterday morning. Oh. <laughs> I had been wanting to see that over Christmas but never had a chance to. And uh, let me go ahead and uh, describe every scene in detail. Mm-hmm. So it opens with uh, this family that's dysfunctional. and no, I'm kidding. Does it start with a dysfunctional family and he becomes Santa Claus? Yes. <laughs> no, no, he's already Santa. Actually, it opens with him being like, I'm over it. This job is does doesn't seem worth it anymore. All these kids are spoiled. Nobody believes in me. And this is another movie with one of my pet peeves where Santa exists and all the parents are like, Santa doesn't exist. You just got we made him up. And I'm like, how do the presents get there then? Yeah. They right. buy them. <laughs> exactly. That's why I saw a TikTok where a guy is talking about that frustration. He's like, you got to know that this situation had to happen in one of those movies. And then the kid it cuts to kid opens an Xbox. Thank you for the Xbox. And then the parents are like, "Yeah, you're welcome." And then they're like, "Uh, so how much was the Xbox?" And then dad's like, "I thought you got the Xbox." And the mom's like, "I thought you got the Xbox." And then they're like, "Well, how did he get the Xbox?" <laughs> <laughs> and so, no, but it was a fun movie. Um, definitely has all those like. You could definitely tell where it gets its um, inspiration and stuff from. Die Hard vibes, uh, John Wick vibes. Um, but funny enough, it seemed still kept its originality because, you know, a Santa Claus like action style movie. I think that Mel Gibson movie was trying to do something oh, with it. Oh, I forgot about I, that. It went <laughs> super under the radar, I guess. I don't know. But uh, no, it was a good time. It was a lot of fun. And I'm glad I was able to finally see it. I'm looking forward to the to the sequel. I hope they do make a sequel where Mrs. Claus helps him out. That'll oh. be fun. Oh, he does he reference his wife? Yeah, he references her a lot in the movie. Kind of like, like he's like looking at the ring, and then she sends him messages. Like she sends him his hammer to kill all the soldiers with it. <laughs> so it's like okay, so this is like a little egg for the sequel. Like in the sequel, Mrs. Claus has to help him now. Do you think she's like Shirley's Theron or something? That's what I was thinking. I was like, I bet they'll try and cast Charlize Theron. I'm on the Wikipedia page. It says the actor expressed interest in seeing Charlize Theron in a role. 
See? <laughs> that is so funny. We should all quit and become casting directors. Yes. Uh, really, apparently. <laughs> it's so fun. I'm down. But yeah, that's what's new. It's with on me. Peacock Premium, I believe, or whatever it's called, the paid version. Yeah, that's that, that's where I saw. Um, it. how would you? Like, could he beat up every other like cinematic Santa? You think he can, or he could beat up Tim Allen Santa? What about the robot Tim <laughs> Allen Santa? <laughs> he could definitely beat up the robots. Oh. The robot Santa is obviously going to put up more of a fight, but he could annihilate it with his hammer. What about Miracle and on Thirty Fourth Street Santa? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> what about Fred Claus? <laughs> Fred, Paul Giamatti or Fred Claus? <laughs> I, I feel like Vince Vaughn would be pretty scary to fight. He's so tall. <laughs> He's They're like the same height because this is David yeah. Harbour, so maybe he'd put up more of a fight, but Vince Vaughn would be complaining the entire time, so yeah. he'd probably just like quit. <laughs> what about and the Santa from Polar Express? Ooh, I think that's the boss fight. He's got magic. Well, the, that's the thing. The, er, this Santa's got magic, and he uses it. he uses his magic for a sick kill. Where I was like, "Holy <laughs> shit!" Did you say, oh, like, "Holy shit!" N- he does actually. I also think at one point, <laughs> my is it Michael but Douglas's Santa could probably put up a good what, fight what too. What movie's that? When was Michael yeah, Douglas a Santa? Is it K- Kirk? The the Christmas Chronicles guy. Oh, Kurt Russell. Oh, Kurt Russell. Yeah. That's Kurt Russell. it. I get them confused <laughs> yeah. perpetually. This is he my life. He could put up a good fight. He could put up a good fight but with this one. Krampus would end it all. So. Oh, there you go. That's that's a boss fight yeah. right there. That's yeah. a boss fight. Yeah, Krampus is like Bowser to like David Harbour's like Dark Mario. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mushroom Kingdom, here we come. Water Kingdom, here we come. <laughs> are we there? Is that all, Jacob? Nice segue. Yeah. Good. Here we are. I'm ready to get wet. <laughs> yeah. <Ooh>. Yes. <laughs> here we are. Dive in head first. Ruining another uh, community's <laughs> homes by moving to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we all watched Avatar The Way of Water. We saw it at AMC City Walk in 3D IMAX. Beautiful. Mm. All went together. I had a uh, Mystic Waters before going in, which is a uh, <laughs> Avatar cocktail that was super sweet. And uh, I had a headache half an hour into the movie. <laughs> 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 and then I got a headache. What did it and it was definitely the cocktail's fault, right? Not yeah. the yeah. slogging pace. <laughs> I was... I was on an edible, and I came out of it midway through the movie, and I was like, oh, I wasn't enjoying it. Like, wow, now I'm really not enjoying myself. (laughs) Honestly, I forgot my edibles and was really upset. I'm like, this movie's three hours. Like, we're all, like, just dealing with seeing this movie, I guess. And I'm like, I don't want to sound this negative. but Um, So I just got a couple cocktails before because we got there a little early. (laughs) You just decided to get bored. And I was just, like, totally sober 40 minutes into the movie. I'm just like, God. uh." So... I needed so you'd you'd say it made you blue then? Yeah. <laughs> double D, double I die. needed to make yes. a whale brain cocktail. Why didn't they have that? That seems like such a good thing to make. <laughs> I don't know, maybe slight spoiler alerts, yeah. maybe or something. Also, yeah. it, really. it's supposed to be evil to consume the insides of whales, so you know. Yeah, it's but true. it's funny. Probably it's don't a funny cocktail. <laughs> it's not good for optics, Connery. <laughs> I guess. What else can we make out of it, though? 
ponytail shit ponytail blend uh hateful dad fighter <laughs> hateful <laughs> toxic dad. father juice <laughs> toxic father juice <laughs> yes sir that's right i'm only going to be nice once <laughs> does he say and that i'm not going to be nice again <laughs> wait no no he says i'm only going to be nice once and then i won't <laughs> <laughs> and he says that to his kid no he says that to that Captain yeah. man, I don't know. Uh, Scientist dude. If there's anything we learned from Space Jam 2 A New Legacy, it's the only thing that fathers care about is power. Power. <laughs> yes. What what is the name of the god in in the Avatar verse again? Awa. Oh. Uh, that's Awa. it. I always want to say Enya, but I'm like, <laughs> no, that's I wish it was Enya. <laughs> that's not that right. Okay, but if the if the tree did play one song yeah. over and over, it would be that. <laughs> It'd be that, it may it be. The last episode we talked oh. about, if Benedict Cumberbatch yeah. played voiced Home Tree, <laughs> mm. which would also be problematic, mm. but it's like, he'd do a good job at yeah. it, but uh, it would yeah. be the right also, person. Also, can, can I, can I mm. vote for Danny DeVito as well? <laughs> yes. As well? Yes. <laughs> you must pay a toll to get to the boy's soul. <laughs> Finding Awa. That's a movie. <laughs> David Lynch. <laughs> David Lynch is Awa. Or or <laughs> Werner Herzog. Just somebody. I can't keep helping you guys out like this. <laughs> you have to put the body in the ground to rejoin the energy of Pandora. <laughs> I want to see the blue baby. <laughs> I am a fan of All killing of space whales. I think they are a menace. <laughs> An abomination to the existence <laughs> on Pandora. All these whales, all they do is consume <laughs> and suck and bite. <laughs> Pandora is a hellish world. <laughs> I can hear the, wheel, the whale screaming. <laughs> Don't ever listen to this footage. <laughs> The oh animals here only desire to kill, and the people here desire it more. I heard the sound of the man being eaten by the whale, but I could not share it with the world. It is too depressing. Ow. Yes. Let the record record that I, I died in that moment, <laughs> and I became one with Enya. Ewa. <laughs> Sail away, Sail away. Well, this was lovely. Thank you again for having me. I did. <laughs> I did feel like Daniel Craig in <laughs> Girl with the Dragon Tattoo while watching this movie. <laughs> <laughs> when he's captured by uh, Stalin yeah, already, a bag on his head, just suffocating him. Uh, what did you guys <laughs> think of this movie? It wasn't that bad. Go first, Martin. Me? Yeah. Uh, you oh, know. well, I'm probably tied with you going to be the nicest to this film. You know, my major test of if it was a good movie or not is whether I would watch it again. Mm -hmm. So I have like three things. It's like it was either like really heady and I enjoyed it for what it was worth, but I'd never watch it again. That's your like intellectual films that like the Oscar bait that like 
isn't any fun to rewatch, so you just never do yeah. it. Then there's the fun ones that you watch over and over and over again. They could be good, they could be bad. And then there's the ones that are just like just bad, like I wasted two hours of my life. Please give me my money and my life force back. Um <laughs> I would watch this again. I think it was oh, okay. I think it was fun. I think the IMAX was great. Yeah. Was it like was it messy? Was it an hour too long? Definitely. Um, there's absolutely no getting around that. But I feel like because I knew what I was getting into, I enjoyed more of what I got. That's yeah. good. But yeah, what did you guys think? I'm just revisiting my review on Letterboxd. Um, <laughs> the whales were the best characters. Pretty fun action sequences that were more fun than the first. There were touching scenes regarding the theme of family, but I do not feel James revolutionized this super common theme the way he was hyping himself to have done. He possibly could have done something truly revolutionary by including native and indigenous creators and artists in his creation of the story and world. Yeah. Instead, James wanted to use cultural appropriation to stroke his own ego, which is pretty typical. But apparently there were other writers on the movie, which kind of makes sense com considering how much more heavier it was with the lore. Yeah, um, the, the co-writers of some of the, the newer Planet of the Apes movies, uh, Amanda Silver and Rick Jaffa, I think. Mm -hmm. They probably were the ones who made the more decent parts of the movie, honestly. But yeah, just uh, pretty much on what Marin said, I'm down to watch it again, honestly. Um, like when it goes on Disney Plus, I'll like, and I'm at home with my mom and grandmother, I'll be like, oh, do you guys want to watch the new Avatar 2 movie? I'll be like, oh yeah, sure, might as well, we're not doing anything. Hmm. That kind of, that kind of setting. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the action sequences were a lot of fun. There were some sick, uh, kills in there made by Natiri with her, like, sick, like, arrow action and stuff. And then when that dude lost his arm, that was so oh, satisfying. Yeah. That's always good. <laughs> I was Kind of hoping he'd get decapitated, but you know it's a PG thirteen movie, so I guess they they had to make do. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I had seen the first Avatar, I think, the morning of, and then I was like, I, I, you know, it's pretty much the same on the feelings of that one. Just this movie's okay, but it's not as I don't understand why it became as uh, prominent as it did over the years. Sure, it looks pretty and everything looks really cool, but the story's just still so bland. And then, unfortunately, the story was bland in this one. Um, some sweet, tender scenes. Honestly, the the ending when they're all trying to get out of the sinking ship, I thought that was like, okay, this is a touching um, kind of allegorical thing going on that they're trying to yeah. do with families trying to get out of a sinking ship together, united. I thought that was really touching. I really appreciated that. Um, but yeah, just, it could have really been something truly special just if there was more inclusion of the cultures that James and his team were inspired by. Yeah, it's that'd like, be the ideal. Um, it's totally, it's totally beautiful when you want to share cultures with the world because they inspire you and, and all that. Just, it just, it's only fair you include people from the cultures to help you share it. Yeah, especially after criticizing one of the nations of that culture. Um, uh, yeah, that scene in the uh, in the in the ship at the end, it's like oh, like I just thinking about it now, it's like oh yeah, it's like his son is so kind of like becoming 
a more prominent character. Maybe he'll become like the main protagonist in the next movie because he kind of saves his dad. Um, yeah, Jake's or he saves Jake Sully, and then uh, <laughs> the Tarzan kid, I forget his name, um, saves <laughs> his somewhat dad. spider. Spider, yeah, thank you, spider. Um, <laughs> saves his uh, closest thing to a father in this movie. So it's like, oh, maybe it's gonna be passed down to the next generation while these other characters are still around. But I like that. Like they learn all the ways. They learn the four nations of what it's called: earth, water, air, and fire. And then they become the air avatars. The last Airbender. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like it's crazy how yeah. close these two things that share one word <laughs> are going to be. You. They already know jungle powers. They jungle they powers? Water powers. <laughs> I don't know. They know to like traverse yeah. trees yeah, and yeah, hunt yeah. and track and that when that sense and like exist and survive there. So now they know to survive in the ocean. I am really curious what happens when they go to volcano. Yeah, land. he's getting all his gym badges. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Jacob, that's probably the letterbox review you've written that I agree like the most with, like of all time. <laughs> like it's just like, oh, we all like kind of. At least you and me like feel the same way about this movie. Where it's, I feel like sometimes we have different opinions on films, but we're all just kind of like, which I appreciate and uh, and respect. <laughs> <Sure>. Okay, <laughs> sorry you loved Black no, no, Adam. Yeah. Just kidding, that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> just slandering that, him. You did it though. You did it no. though, right? That is a, oh. a minor sin. <laughs> I'm sorry I love Blade Runner 2049. No, that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll die. I, I, I did also like that, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I need to see it again, but I'll probably still, it's one of the movies where yeah, I'll. You'll, you'll still. <laughs> With 40% less scenes of Ryan Gosling doing nothing but looking sad, yeah. it would have been the best film of all time. Yeah, there's a lot of, <laughs> speaking of pacing, but. Um, yes. Meanwhile, <laughs> Connery's review of Avatar The Way of Water and Letterboxes. Remember the first movie? What if everyone in it was soaked? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what I thought. And, I mean, that's also <laughs> equally true because it's the like you said, Jacob, the script, like the plotting and everything is just like the first movie. Like maybe there's a little bit more intro um, to mm-hmm. catch people up because the last movie was 13 years ago. But it, he's really like defining a template of what an Avatar movie is. And it's just like, oh, so it's pretty similar each time, which... I'm yeah, never really a fan of. Guy will come back. But, I mean, it draws people in. It's it's like it's just so. I don't. Generic's not the right term, but it's just so like fundamental. Formulaic. Yeah, it's formulaic and also just like fundamental storytelling, where it's just like you don't see a lot of movies like this anymore. So that I guess in some ways is impressive how huge this movie is and like how great it looks, but the script. I feel like we just all expect more from scripts nowadays. It's just a higher standard, I feel like, as as time has gone on, where, I don't know, it's just like, and something like this is such a big thing to bite into, or it's asking a lot from the audience, like, stay here for an exorbitant amount of time. And if I'm staying there, I need to be really good and hold my attention. And I don't, at least to me, like you guys said, you, at least Marin and uh, Jacob, you guys said you'd watch it again. It's not something I ever really need to see again, in my opinion. It's just, it's something that existed. I watched it. I'm, I've yet to be riveted by an Avatar movie, unfortunately, which is kind of a bummer because they look gorgeous. It's just, it's just not staying with me at all. I think the water, the the water environment is what makes it 
rewatchable yeah. to me. Like just mm. being able to populate the ocean like that without the pollution, without the loss of habitat that like exists in our real world is kind of cool. Like I don't think I'll ever cool. get like such a great view of what like swimming through like a coral reef would look like. Like I, I think it's really different now. Like if you visit like the Great Coral Reef in Australia than it was like even five ten years ago so i think it's worth it for that um mm -hmm. but like the first one definitely like i don't think i'll ever rewatch it <laughs> i remembered enough to yeah. walk into this film and be like it's not gonna matter like it they fell in love they fought the army the army was bad the end like i i didn't need to, to know anything other than that like yeah but and I was fine. You know, I navigated That's just fine through the second film. <laughs> I think I just feel like one of my main concerns is, like, again, with my review, I just feel like they reset the board, where it's like everything's just the same. Like, it's the same bad guy, the same problems. They have kids now, which is a little bit different, but they're fighting the same things they, they yeah, it's were. Not like, yeah, same struggles. it's not like Empire Strikes Back. It's just a continuation of the, that first story, which, like, not every sequel needs to flip everything so, so much. Um, yeah. And it decides not to, but I guess we just have an expectation where it's like, especially if it's going to take 13 years to uh, mm -hmm. hammer down the script and everything. I mean, amongst, it wasn't just all that, but there was years and years of writing the scripts for, for the movies. But also my, I mean, I, my opinion is just an opinion too. Like I'm not correct because I'm just thinking like, oh, <laughs> what's another like really long blockbuster movie that came out recently that I loved is the Batman. And I could yep. see how some people could be pretty frustrated by that movie. So no, people tell me all the time the movie is so long every time yeah. I say I love it. And they, I, I go, yep, it is long, but also I love it. <laughs> yeah, the Batman and Wakanda forever. Everybody, they just complaints. They're good, but they're too long. Yeah, and yeah, I just saw Wakanda forever also, which uh, also has stuff to do with the ocean. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> is good, and I think it has more to chew on than, than this movie, but it's like... It's like we talked about the last episode, Connery, uh, on the first Avatar. It's like it's just so fundamentally flawed in its conception of like being created by this like this like white boomer guy, you know, <laughs> about like indigenous culture and everything. It's just like going to be inherently flawed, and that kind of worked fine in two thousand nine. I I like to think he's up he's operating on like dances with wolves yeah, mentality, right. and like that's what carries, especially him. the first one. Yeah, and yeah. uh, but. It's just, like, I would love, like, if that just wasn't an element in this movie, I would probably like it a lot more. Like, there's definitely a way to, to do this <laughs> better. But he just keeps sitting back on those tropes and everything. And, like, Kate Winslet is a, is a Navi. It's just, like, okay, like, I don't know. It's just, it's just, like, murky waters, and it just makes it more complicated. It's, like, I wish I didn't think about that stuff. And I guess a lot of, whatever, I don't know if people are thinking about that or not. It made so much money, though. So it's like. I am surprised by here that every time, we, like, they made so much money, I'm like, okay. I guess it's like an event almost at this point when he releases it, and the people are just like, I'm going to see it. That's kind of what he wanted. Yeah. That's, that's why it has such a generic, like, super accessible c type of story. Like, we're a family, and we have to fight the bad guys. It's like every single person on the planet can, like, get on board with that. Yeah, it makes it yeah. super marketable. Yeah. Plus, like, mm -hmm. I mean, the only way to see these films is in 3D. I would yeah. not recommend dragging yourself to a standard viewing of this. Go for the IMAX yeah. or don't go at all. 
I agree. Uh, you have to do IMAX. Yeah. That's like probably partly why it makes so much money too, because each ticket's like thirty bucks. Um, but mm. it no, it, it is so like a general story, like a very kind of like elemental story of family that it just seems kind of like too basic. But I mean, the first movie did really well in places like India and like China, and I'm sure this one is as well. I don't know for sure, but it just is a, a movie you can watch wherever you are in the world and like kind of just get the fundamentals and be like. It's not yeah. super nuanced in a lot of ways. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, super uh, really successful movies, action movies, or just really successful, and it's successful in terms of a bunch of people saw it. Not necessarily made, well, yeah, just a bunch of people saw it. Just they wanted, they wanted it to be accessible, sure, but at the same time, they didn't want to assume that everybody going to see it was stupid. They want, they wanted to, they trusted the audience to be like have the to be intelligent or or smart enough to like they'll be able to to take in deeper stuff they don't need like just like super basic things like that's why i feel these avatar movies have super bland uh storylines because you know james james was for this one he was like oh in order for us to break even it has to be a top five and uh, like box office ever and it's like and look at the story we saw was a super bland thing and it's like well you know just look at the batman it was this really cool detective story and it trusted his audience to be able to follow along with it and enjoy it and like connect the puzzles with him and engage it trusted the audience to be able to that they would be able to engage it on a mental level yeah that movie's literally about being smart <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And Top Gun Maverick too, actually. Yeah. It's like not all of us are in the military. Not all of us know about the military operations and everything, but the movie trusts the audience to be able to take the context of the stakes and everything and mm -hmm. to just go with it. And then, uh, like, look, this is this mission. This is how we run things. Just follow the general stuff of what's going on, and we'll trust you to – rely on the context of everything there we're not going to give you exposition on what this phrase means what this ship can do what this plutonium does the only exposition you're getting is just the uh the mission briefing of what we're training for and that's it everything else you're good to figure out on your own and we yeah. did all of us mm -hmm. really enjoyed it and it was a good ride and it was one of the top grossing movies of the year so yeah it's just a matter of you know trusting the audience and not thinking they're as like simple-minded as you think they are james james <laughs> but i think that's how he, it's a very 90s mentality yeah if you ask me it's it's just how he how movies were made i feel like that time pretty like straightforward like easily digestible and i think he just uh continues to spearhead that with just being like this is what they do this is what they take it's easily accessible it's how i made billions of dollars before i can do it again with the same thing again yeah yeah but you know it's you know what's funny about that that's very true and the thing is you could be more straightforward back in the 80s and 90s with all these. That's when the action movies were getting to this scale, starting mm -hmm. to get to this scale. And, you know, he, he was part of that wave of all these action mm -hmm. movies that were straightforward. Um, they I do feel like they had that kind of mentality of Top Gun Maverick where still kind of letting – they were still super straightforward and whatnot, but they still did rely on the audience to rely on the context. But at the same time – you know, all those movies from 20, 30 years ago, they're straightforward and everything. And now 
every movie, all the movies following them have been following their formula, and they're super, like, oversaturated now, and they're super, like, everybody's trying to tweak it now. And so now he's he he's trying to do with the Avatar movies what he did in the 90s, except now it's not as the only thing he's got going for these movies is how beautiful they are. Yep. Nobody's going to see these movies because we want a, a different perspective on life and the environment. Right. Well, uh, honestly, I think that's just kind of part of our part of society today. It's less about being unique and being creative and more about figuring out what your brand is and how mm. your brand can bring in money based on people who resonate with that brand. I, I don't think that for all his faults, I think that James Cameron is just the same as like Spielberg. We were even just talking about how Del Toro kind of rehashes the same plots and themes over and over. I think that directors, you know, reach a point where they stop kind of developing new thoughts, new ideas, and new experiences. They're pushed to put out art without creating new experiences or changing their minds and then you know, people who bankroll these productions are also, like, happy to, like, put these people in a box because they know that, like, the same type of audience is going to come out to see the same type of auteur or artist or director's work. So we just kind of get caught in this loop where, like, the only new stuff that's really entering society creatively are from young, new voices. So it's it's, it's always kind of like a... A push and pull between like do you want new or do you want kind of what you expect from this person oh, yeah. yeah no i mean that's all really well put for for sure like that's really a great perspective i'm just thinking now it's just like oh like the old and the new it's just like yeah i guess like he's just going to stick to his his style of filmmaking and everything he's not going to totally change things around and it's just like oh you know mm -hmm. most filmmakers are like that because i was going to bring up like ridley scott and how he still has a specific style but he directs movies like all over the place, like all different kinds. But it's like he's kind of the exception mm -hmm. to the rule. Like most quote unquote auteur filmmakers make one kind of movie and that's what we like them for. It is branding too, but it's also just inherently what they want to make and like what speaks to them. But I guess like partly like his genre is just like the widest net to like throw on the audience <laughs> or like the, the like the broadest <sighs> brush strokes. I literally yeah. thought you said thought you said I thought you said the whitest net, not <laughs> yes. the whitest net. <laughs> That's what I thought too. True that. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's also that too, but it's just like, uh, like, whatever. Like, I don't want to totally psych psychoanalyze James Cameron, nor do I know him personally, but it just seems like he is very sure of himself and his opinions, and that clashes with oh, yeah. the modern world in a lot of ways that have to do with ethnicity and culture that he is not fully taking on to take time to learn or anything. He's just like, no, I'm going to make a fucking huge movie. It's going to be great. Like, it seems like he has chilled out in the past, like, few years just reading a bunch of articles, but also feels like that's a big PR campaign to be like, oh, no, actually, he's not, like, really mean on set and stuff. But, like, mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, it's just, it's it's everything, I mean, whatever. Everything in Hollywood's manufactured to a degree. Um, it's just. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, let's just give him a softer edge in the media and stuff. <laughs> I don't know what I'm really trying to say, but just basically, because he's an older filmmaker, he's going to, uh, being a, like, he's from a generation where most of the big filmmakers were white men, and that's changing for the good. Um, but there's 
I'm not saying he's actively resisting that. Like he's, but he's being probably unintentionally ignorant about where culture is right now. It's just what he knows, and he's just doing what he yeah. knows. Right. He's operating with an old playbook, and he doesn't want to throw it away. Yeah, because it's bringing in results. If we all just, you know, decided to stay at home and never see any Avatar film as a society or as an international, you know, population, like he would be forced to acknowledge, like, hey, it didn't work. Maybe I have to change things. But like, you vote with your money these days, and that's the the complex thing. So it's true. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting, Marty. You brought up cor- like <laughs> corporatism in like movies. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm yeah. Al- always actively thinking about how it's not, it's not artists who drive the industry. It's the people who think, you know, what I can sell this. I can sell this to a lot of people. No, it's it's very true. It's just it's not the stuff. <laughs> it's it's just very true. It's just you know, it's dark. <laughs> yeah. On to other things. I- I've seen Babylon. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler Steed Babylon. <laughs> um, uh, oh, God. Oh, that's what I was going to say. No, I really, I would love to really appreciate him making this movie that everyone's going to see, whether they remember it or not. Like, I don't care, you know? Like, I don't think this is going to be the most memorable film, just like the first Avatar is. Like, I don't think it's super memorable. It's just a big event, and that's fine. But it's just, like, because everyone's seeing it, it makes me concerned that it's just, like, uh, maybe it will bring more awareness to just like cultural sensitivity, uh, but I just feel like everyone's just kind of fine and like chooses to not look at it as being like, oh, these are basically just indigenous stories that he's using to tell his own narratives, and that how problematic that is. Like, it just makes me concerned that like it continues a, a, like a cycle of of that and how like perpetuating that instead of like trying to learn from it since so many people are seeing it. But maybe I'm just generally I, thinking too much about it next, you know like maybe it's i don't th- i don't think so i i think you're on the right track i think for the next decade honestly it's going to be like more the same of this shit and then as time goes on these people age out we're i think the next generation is very conscious of these things which is really great and we'll get more beneficial things on that end rather than the same old i don't know kind of just like i guess ignorant kind of stuff like that or just people that are unaware i think we'll probably get more and more plugged into people who are at least capable of doing a little bit more critical thinking as time goes on. I feel like Gen Gen Z especially are very mindful of that of that kind of thing, which which is very good. So Yes. Gen Gen Z join us in changing the world. Let's stop like <laughs> let's stop the generation above hating the generation below. Let's just join forces and like get green initiatives out there. Get less corporate <laughs> interests like out of the way. Like all that yeah. shit. Let's hate on those boomers together. <laughs> yeah. He's telling the opposite narrative of what Martin's trying to say. <laughs> I'm sorry. Cyrus is unite with hate. <laughs> Martin's is unite. Me and Brian unite with love. And we're like, no, let's hate someone together. We're united, together. right? <laughs> it is a fresh perspective. I'm sorry, Martin. So. I didn't mean to. And it is quicker to unite people with hate. Very true. Sith Lord the easier Tyler. path. Can can uh. can we talk about like okay so the one thing in this film that makes it all fall apart for me is and this is maybe also hearkening back to like James Cameron's kind of like boomer status <laughs> is like being like all right so our homeland is getting attacked because these people want to kill us so what we're going to do to save them is instead go somewhere else 
find another group of people we know nothing about and doom them instead. <laughs> I what the hell? What kind of reasoning is that? Like, if you really want to save people, you go and you, like, take your family to an isolated island where if a missile is following you, it just takes out you, not 150 other people who are like, eh, you know, we'll take you in, you know, whatever. Jake, Jake solely needs a human shield. That's all he really wants. He wants flesh shields. Basically, <laughs> they make this group of beautiful, like, water living people like a human shield it just makes no sense yeah. and also i like their designs better than the cat people davi i think they look really really cool 100 percent agree i like them better too well, i guess to the to the story's large logic marn um so i guess it really doesn't matter who they're endangering because the humans come back with the super evil and um general goal of yeah we're gonna kill all life on this planet and turn this planet into the new earth so pretty much they're like planning to annihilate everybody anyway so can I they like terraform logic i guess can That's they terraform well they're yeah. right now they're like planning on building this city and then they're gonna work on like terraforming the planet you remember that that'd be the first thing i do is terraform the planet yeah, that big city <laughs> well, like it's not like establish the civilization and everything yeah it's not like Man of Steel where they have a big terraforming machine that is a big beam in the sky, but they are terraforming. <laughs> they destroyed the forest and built mm. that big city, which looked really cool, but mm. obviously is it bad. Um, <laughs> yeah, mm. I, I guess I, that's that's I was thinking the Man of Steel. I'm 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 in my brain. I want like the humans to be like Warhammer 40k humans almost, just being like the uh, drop down the terraformer first, have it change the atmosphere of the planet. It'll kill the Navi probably outright. I doubt they can breathe human air. Mm. Uh. Yeah, like in in the context of the movie, right? Like you're saying, Jacob, uh, it's it's kind like it's unspoken. There should be a line of dialogue or something just to make it more clear. Where like the leader of the um oh man, what are they called? Is it Omatakaya? Are they the yeah the water, the water people? people? Um, I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> it's uh, just syllables that James Cameron string together. Yeah. You're not offending anybody by getting it wrong. <laughs> Like, there should be a discussion where it's just like, oh, like, we shouldn't help these people. I guess there's a little bit like that. Uh, but there mm. needs to be a realization that, like, the humans are going to come for all of the Navi at some point. It's everyone's issue at mm. a, to a certain extent because they're going to keep coming back. So they have to fight. You yeah. know, it's either that or total annihilation, like, uh, through slow attrition of, like, their resources and, mm. their, and their culture. But like everything else in this movie, they don't really talk about any of the deep themes in the script they kind of show it for a minute and then kind of just move on to the next thing constantly and like that's all i really wanted to talk about throughout this movie was like they have a big giant human city now like what does that do to them like are the navi not scared like are they not like they united once like what's stopping them from doing it again now more than ever yeah they're just gonna keep yeah. coming they're they're like the xenomorphs of <laughs> the avatar world <laughs> humans are the parasite like trying to destroy the rest yeah. of the galaxy basically yeah. because they mm. yeah but um yeah it, it kind of could be like a parable for like you know um how we're completely fucking over our earth and we can't yeah. get enough like like if we got all the tribes on board to fight back against like the you know i don't know a, a thousand people who are contributing to the worst you know 
global climate disasters, then, you know, maybe we could just, like, yeet those people out of power and, you know, start regrowing the rainforest, purifying the water, things like that. But, you know, it's it's just one of those things where it's like, you stay in your own corner and, like, you know, other people have to kind of figure it out. So it kind of does have, like, a little bit of resonance there in our own world today. Like, if we could all, all of the countries be like, you know, fuck this, we need to preserve the earth, we could get something done, but, like, getting that many people in power to agree is, you know, or care or notice is always a struggle. Yeah, it's difficult, if not impossible. Um, exactly. At least now we have the, like, the um, advantage of all being, like, actually connected to the planet. Like, it is one big living being, in a way. It's like a... Yeah. It's like a um, network of roots, like, that connect everything basically like all, they're all more connected to the energy than than humans are like not like that um so i guess they have the yeah. advantages the common like sensation of that but i don't know there's just a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of weird stuff in this movie that they brush over like the immaculate child yes. that now uses <laughs> awa as like the force Yes. <laughs> I, I don't know how Sigourney Weaver made it through 50% of her dialogue. I oh, really yeah. don't. She, I thought she was really good in this movie. I mean, like, not not talking <laughs> about the dialogue, but I thought she was good as, like, a 14-year-old. Like, it was, it was really convincing. I mean, it just kind of reminds me of what's going on. Like, I, I, really, I saw, like, a summary on YouTube, like, the Dune books, and I feel like we're going in that direction with her character becoming this, like, prophet figure, but, like, really fucking up her entire planet in the process. Yeah, she's gonna become, like, a weird heretic or something. Yeah, right? <laughs> mm. Or, like, she'll rise to that power, and then when she starts saying things that people don't want her to say or don't want to hear, then they will kill her instantly. Yeah. Um, yeah, also, was was it just me, or did the movie seem to imply that she can stay underwater for, like, ever without needing to come up for breath? She's OP. She's connected to Awa. She can do whatever she, she wants. The, uh, right. Yeah, she can. She can do that, and also she has that air um, thing as well. That like manta thing that can give you air. Yeah, I think that's how she does it. She has like the jellyfish manta thing that she puts on her back that allows her to breathe underwater. Those are fairy wings. Yeah, the fairy there, wings. Yeah. There's like a scene where she's like staring at the sand and like the reflections on the sand, and she's like underwater for like. <laughs> two three minutes yeah. and like she doesn't seem to be like running out of breath there's like multiple <laughs> scenes where she's swimming underwater without the manta rays and like doesn't need to like surface at all yeah. so like i guess when, that's what the actors she do was, though too wow that's like one of my favorite like semi stupid things to do like in open water like especially in beaches or like even pools where I just like like it might be what she was explaining, but she's just like in that shallow part, just like hovering there, looking at the thing, or I just pretend to be a dead body and just like float on the float on top of the water. <laughs> There's a picture of Grace and Jose in Hawaii when we went as we went to went together, and Grace is there hugging and happy, and I'm just like dead body, <laughs> like in like the far background. That's good. <laughs> it's pretty great. An amazing prank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing prank. Yes. Who said it was a prank, Martin? Okay. I'm dead. <laughs> he died. Well, he's still here, so I don't think it was real. He's, no, he's been talking through his uh, avatar body this whole yeah, time. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm actually, I'm actually 
Kyle Droven. I've been dressed up in the Connery <laughs> green dot suit to be Avatar. Yeah. After this recording, we're going to go take him to go see his old dead human body. <laughs> in a tube. And then ha- make him crush his crush own skull. skull. <laughs> Is that what you're about to say, Jacob? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He has no reference for his former self. Can we talk Kyle, about it's not him? his former self. It's not him. He just has the memories of that person inside this body. So he is both I guess Miles so. Corch and not Miles Corch. He's his own person in this Avatar body. Like, you know, like, yes, technically he's kind of a clone because he does have the DNA of Miles Corch as well in the Avatar body and has his memories. But yeah. does that make him Miles Corch? Like, he is... In some ways, yes. Yeah. If he chooses, yes, right. he is. But is he choosing that? Like, he kind of mostly is this movie, but I yes. feel like he's on a longer journey <laughs> after this. But yeah. that's another thing that is... A very strange subplot going on in this movie that's not really talked about in any way. <laughs> Truly, the the body horror aspect and cloning and choosing to be the I guess it's like, do you grow beyond the person you used to be? Is the big question of like his character, I guess. Yeah, and it's like I guess people never really change, but it's like he isn't that person. He just has all of the memories of that person, you know. So he can still. He's still trying to decide whether he is that person or not, I guess. I don't know. He gets a literal second chance. Yeah. <laughs> My problem is he just shouldn't have been there in the first place, period. <laughs> it's just like, I'm like, James, you created the Terminator. You created the T-1000. You had the good idea of instead of one alien, they got to deal with a swarm of aliens, which is terrifying. You created... You created that dude that Jack and Rose have to deal with in Titanic. Billy and Zane. Yeah. Billy Gabe. Billy Zane is really. I have a Navi baby. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy's big for his like his prodigious film saga. He just wants to recycle the same guy and like, oh, but this time he's in an avatar. I don't know. It's kind of interesting like, to me. James. I <laughs> Because it's like, oh, what if you had a second life, but you did it differently? Like, it's, but you can actually physically do that. That is a good idea, but he doesn't do much with right. it. That's he's the making problem. the same choices. <laughs> yeah, he really. Exactly. He's the exact. Anything, he's worse. He's, also, he's the exact same person. He's also going on Jake Sully's adventure from the his his like personal journey that Jake Sully went through in the first movie. He's learning how to uh, master the um, to, how to ride an Ikran, <laughs> a banshee. And like all of that, um, but he's still. So is he just gonna be a step behind the entire time? We have to like redo a movie with him. Well, in I it? would think that this if would this movie would change his perspective more. But he is ultimately just like right. still bad military dude, except he can ride yeah, a, a Ekron or whatever. Sorry, Jacob. If it, no, no, I'm sorry. If anything, what would be fascinating, which is what I thought he was going for in this movie at least, was oh crap, is this guy gonna end up like joining Jake and like right. be on his side now? But maybe maybe that will happen in the next movie. It was just took this movie, like his own subplot, to like start working on that perspective, that arc work, I guess, so they could make that maybe in the next movie when he makes that plan to join the family. But I mean, this guy, he killed their kid, right? From what I remember, how did the kid die? Well, the kid got shot by one he of the soldiers. Shot. I think I don't think it was necessarily oh, one of the Quaritch, soldiers. but. Yeah. Right. 
Okay, because if he directly killed their kid, then I wouldn't see right. how that would be possible. But I feel like it was him. I think he did it. I, it's so funny. I can't remember how that kid. Died. You don't remember? I, don't, I think it was. Ra- I think it was randos. I think it was like unnamed, unknown people who were just right. Defending. They were like escaping, I think, and yeah. they were just shooting at them, trying to hit mm. them. Yeah, it oh, was. Speaking... It was not the main villain for sure. Right. Which time? Which time with the kids escaping? They were captured and recaptured about six know. times <laughs> in one scene. Yeah, I that know. that did not work for me. <laughs> Even throwing the joke in, yeah. I was like. No, this is that just happened too. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're free. Oh wait, we gotta go get blah blah blah. Okay. (laughs) Got him again. Oh nope, you escaped. Nope, got him again. Got him again. (laughs) It's like the equivalent of leaving the house to go somewhere and then realizing you forgot something important at home and having to start all over again. It's like (laughs) just because it's a human experience doesn't mean I want to see it in a film I paid thirty dollars for. Especially an important thing, or it's like, I wouldn't you leave your sibling behind? Probably not. <laughs> okay, yeah, that middle child like had some issues, man. <laughs> oh, truly. That oh. younger son like <laughs> effed things t- up for his older brother in a big way. Yeah, mm-hmm. I totally forgot. Well, his father hates him. Nah, he doesn't hate him. Because <laughs> he won't li- listen to reason, and that's what got his brother killed. So, like. Negative reinforcement doesn't work for him. Jake Soli's a horrible father who can't, he like, know, analyze though. his own children. He was just a space marine. And then, like, you know, he's not super educated. He's not, like, an emotionally, uh, like, intelligent person. He's just like, yeah, I was a soldier, yeah. and this family's a fortress. Like, all his dialogue is just, like, uh, defense mode, attack mode. Like, he's. He's not a very, like, four-dimensional... He's not a fleshed-out character, and, like, I think it's almost, like, okay, it, like, works in Sam Worthington's favor, because that's kind of, like, the act... Like, I'm not trying to to uh, jab him, but, like, that's kind of the characters he plays best, you know? Like... Yeah. But... So I guess that's my defense of, of Jake Sully being, like, yeah, he is a not a not the best dad, but he's trying to be a better dad. And all he knows is his military life, I guess, you know, like who knows what his parents were like. But um, yeah. that also just made me think about how the middle brother, like my whole theory with it, with the whale that he the, the token or whatever that he uh, becomes yeah. friends with. I thought it was going to be like an evil whale. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted it to be evil. like, oh no, I I am evil. Like I killed a whole bunch of like of those like fish. But people. you need me to defeat Miles Quaritch. Exactly. So will you trust me? Yeah. And then like all of a sudden he sends like all this like dark aura in him when he connects to him again. He's like. <laughs> Instead, there's like just a flashback of the whale like swimming away, and I didn't totally understand what was happening. I believe what happened was that he basically led an assault on the military. And those things aren't supposed to do that. They are complete pacifists. So that's why he was outcast. And he's the only survivor. Oh, okay. Yeah, which if they're, like, setting up kind of like a, you know, somewhere down the line, they're, they're kind of have to confront that, like, morality isn't all black and white, good guys versus bad. It's people who have had to make a lot of difficult decisions. And some of those were right and some of those were wrong. Then that would be... Honestly, refreshing to see. Like, I always love, you know, getting a bunch of realistic portrayals of how, you know, sometimes good people do bad things and bad people do good things. So, you know, I'd welcome it. But, yeah, I don't know where... I don't know if that's actually going to happen. Who knows with James Cameron? Yeah, I kind of expected the whale to be more, like, in the wrong. 
because that's why he feels so bad. But it's just like, oh no, that whale's just beating himself up too much about this situation. <laughs> like, yeah, right. or like his society exercised yeah. him for doing what was ostensibly the right thing. Exactly. Like, you don't just lie down and like take complete genocide. Like, yeah. No, of course you want to like fight back to save the people you love. Like, that's literally the film we just watched. Like, a family fighting back and killing things and ripping arms off to protect the people they love so hell yeah and also jermaine clement was there for some reason yeah <laughs> and didn't have his accent he had an american accent yeah it sounded like it's weird he's kind of there and he's just like you know i did find his character I'm jermaine clement i did find his character interesting just in my um there's this whole thing in metal gear solid <laughs> where um Otacon, who's like the scientist he's basically was he has like a, a cursed history too because his dad was like one of the people who made the uh, one of the original Metal Gears, which are like these giant robots that can like launch nukes and like basically cause all at war. Um, they're just super dangerous like weapons of mass destruction. But basically like the whole thing with his character is that like how scientists like, especially working with the military, like you want, like I feel like most scientists want to do good for the world or at least like even like the people they know to defend their people. It's ultimately like, whether it's like global or like nationalism or whatever, like they want, I think, uh, ultimately to do good. I don't think there's a lot of scientists out there that are just intentionally wanting to kill a bunch of people with weapons, you know? Not a lot of Resident Evil scientists. No, no, they don't have La, La Plaga or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there's just like a really weird like coalescence of like science and economy and military that all plays in this movie and like imperialism. And it's just like, he just seems very like upset about how he's a scientist on this boat killing the whales because it's the only way he can study the whales you know so it's like i feel yeah. like all that stuff is interesting but it also is another thing that is kind of disgust and then goes away and then everyone blows up and it's like okay <laughs> i don't know if his character was yeah. super necessary you're gonna, you're gonna love oppenheimer then. yeah i'm sure i will <laughs> uh, but yeah it's that good old saying the road to hell is paved with good intentions Yes, I'm doing that in my D&D game right now. Mm -hmm. A lot of fun. You're on the highway to hell. <laughs> yeah. They are in hell right now, trying to save someone, but they have to make a horrible choice to... Perhaps the saving their friend could mean releasing a horrible evil into the world, and do they want to do that? Of course they're going to do it, Connor. <laughs> I know, I, I want them to. <laughs> I want them to. <laughs> but uh, I would say, speaking of being glossed over, the the mob, what, what's, what's her hey, name? Jerry. The wife... Natiri. She's got nothing to do this entire movie. She's doing I jack know. shit. Aside from killing folks, she's doing nothing. It's so sad. Yeah, she acts really animalistic in this film, too, as opposed to, like, even the first one, when she's, like, the most Na'vi, and it's just, like, whatever, if that's, like, how she is as a person, but it just feels, like, regressive in her character, her characterization, and also just that she has nothing to do. Yeah, and yeah, also Spider's exactly. terrified of her. I'm like, I'd be scared of her too. <laughs> yeah. She's a monster. This whole movie, like, she's literally more animal than person. Yeah, I, think, I don't know. <laughs> I think the best part of her character and like of this like film's kind of like look at the Navi is like obviously like because they're being in the process of being like colonized, you know, or overtaken by these, you know, American, you know, mercenaries, like. Just because they're, like, you know, being uh, made victims to that, they still kind of, like, 
have this lack of understanding amongst themselves. Like she was like she made this comment when like Spider was playing with the kids at the very beginning, like he should be with his own kind. And then we kind of see that echoed with the water tribe kind of being like really reluctant to take the forest tribe people in and like understand that like, yes, they are built differently. They have different gifts and like being okay with that. I think it it kind of is nice to see that like there's just because like they're the good guys doesn't mean that they're perfect either. They still have their own biases that they need to work towards fixing against people Mm -hmm. who are different than themselves so i think that that was the most valuable thing but like yeah overall like zoe saldana got a fat check for doing next to nothing yeah like she just had to be really scary like her scenes i'm like she is scary she's a just a weapon of war she's horrifying honestly yeah for all we know maybe she requested less you know (laughs) yeah she she's been in a lot of blockbuster movies so i'm sure she knows how to negotiate a deal (laughs) I'm sure. Maybe she didn't care so much about this movie. Maybe she did though, and didn't get done service. But maybe also, yeah. Maybe maybe her part just got done dirty. Like I mean, I like we care, but I'm just saying, like maybe she's like, who cares? But yeah, yeah. It it just sucks because you know she was she was saying how she wasn't too. um, She's you know she was saying her comments about the Marvel movies, and she loves that she did them and everything, but she uh, what. What did she say? She wasn't crazy about, like, uh, um, but she wished there was more. She was complaining about it for some time. Yeah, I mean, so is Dave Bautista. Um, it's like, it's just something like being yeah. in a in a a mill, <laughs> a movie mill yeah, for a decade, like, you know, you're going to get worn yeah, out. Like yeah. it, it wasn't it wasn't fulfilling, but then I'm like, well, I mean, your Gamora seems more richer in those movies than Natiri does, at least in this one. And so... I don't know. Maybe you do some cool stuff in the other Avatar movies, but yeah, that's just my. Th- that's so. That's why it's like, oh, I'm sorry. It sucks that she doesn't feel fulfilled. And then it's like, you just don't even really understand her as a character in this. I guess she's mostly just a, a weapon agreed. of war instead of yeah. Exactly. It's all she's just like a sidekick. Yeah, she's just Jake's like little like sidekick. And I'm like, that's that's such a demotion. Lest we forget, uh, she gets more kills than Jake ever does. She's yeah, exactly. Much more like She's more. Like, I think she's supposed to be like a mother's rage incarnate is like what she is in this yeah, movie. It's really stereotypical, yeah, especially. Yeah, especially when you know the kid dies, and it's like okay, well now she's gonna go on a rampage. Yeah, it's like she's gonna be scarier than she was in the beginning of this movie, which what she was still scary. <laughs> Lest we forget, Jacob, Awa answered Jake solely, not any of the Navi. <laughs> Jake solely. Awa answered Jake solely. Because he's the chosen one. <laughs> the colonizer. <laughs> the colonizer. The white man <laughs> in a Navi body. I forget. Was his, like, human body, like, destroyed in the first film? He ate it. What? <laughs> when he became like Navi, a massive he placenta? His own flesh. Oh my god. Could you imagine the horror if that happened? <laughs> Just the start of Avatar 2 was him passing his former self. Oh my god. That'd be so horrific. <laughs> like, consume my flesh. Eat of it. He ate the wheelchair too. Oh sorry. <laughs> oh sorry. Oh my god. No, he really uh, was Meals on Wheels. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so mean. Ah. I'm sorry. That's just a line from the first movie. I'm sorry, everyone. No, that was perfect. That was what a dunk. Yeah. 
<laughs> I was set to end you again. I tell you. <laughs> I tell you. It was ya. like there was there were two volleyballs. Mard spiked it, and you spiked the <laughs> second one. <laughs> um, when the guy gets his arm like chopped off with the rope or whatever, um, if if anybody listening or our guests here haven't seen Ghost Ship, like the first five minutes of Ghost Ship, I highly recommend it. <laughs> watch it on youtube or something because it starts with like a rope getting like too tight and then just like it just decapitates everybody on a giant cruise ship <laughs> oh, no, I've, I've seen that i remember yeah. it that freaked me out white people suck <laughs> at limbo what can i say <laughs> so i have bad knees if you're looking for more of that look up ghost ship intro i'm gonna do it um but Marin, to answer your question officially yeah, at the end of the first one, he uh, they transfer his consciousness into his avatar body, um, like how they were trying to bring back Sigourney Weaver when she was shot, and then uh, yeah, they basically just they you they plug both his bodies into the the tree, the magic tree that Awa that Enya's in, and then <laughs> they uh, and then yeah, they just transfer his consciousness into his avatar body, and his human body is just empty. Gotcha. So yeah, they eat it. So they ate it. So they realistically, it. they probably ate his body. It's recycled <laughs> into the into the earth. Heck yes, circle of life. I'd love to go back there and just see his like human skeleton, just like hanging out there or something. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> just has two finger guns, like. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. All the. Yeah. Ah, got him. What else happened in this well, just movie? Focusing on all the whales and stuff, <laughs> it, it feels very. 90s also free yeah it's really like save the whales i mean it ends with a with a, the free willy shot in the credits mm. the whale jumps up in the yeah, air really. with the sunset um Whee! and it's just like i don't know that's still important for sure but it's it's not nearly as mm. a cultural thing anymore of like save the whales and like what does that really mean e- any anyways like just like think about mm. the environment metaphorically but also just mm. literally like whale hunting is not as much of a thing anymore so it's just Especially when they show like a whole procedural how to hunt a whale in this movie, it's just like, why are they spending so much time on this? Like, I like, I like procedural things in in films and like media in general. It's just like, here's step one, step two, like do all this stuff. It's like, oh, this person's really good at it, but I don't really want to watch them procedurally like murder a whale. But I guess that's the point, you know. I hated that part. It made me really sad. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I agree with Tyler. I don't think that. It, it kind of felt like exploiting a terrible event to show all of the action parts that accompanied it. I think just seeing the end result of what happened and the waste and the, you know, disrespect of what they ended up doing would have sufficed and left a stronger message. It kind of felt like, like, yeah, like it was, sh- it was being made to look bad. But also it benefited the film by giving an action sequence in a place yeah. where there wasn't a lot of action that's true. for a while. That's, yeah, that's very insightful. Yeah, so, I don't know. I, I for y- You know those, like, 4D rides that you can, like, experience at amusement parks and, you know, the seats move and, like, a bunch of, like, you know, mist gets blasted at your face and yeah. stuff as the movie plays, like, I kind of feel like James Cameron makes that makes these films kind of almost with that in mind like what if they were able to make this a 4D experience 
and like how wrong that would feel to like feel what it felt like to go hunt a whale. Yeah, like, <laughs> smell the dead yeah. whale flesh. Mm-mm. Exactly. Although you know, maybe he could like, I don't know, do a splash zone at other you know screenings <laughs> of this film. Just you just get drenched. It reminds me of like Water BDs world. from Cyberpunk. BD. I still need to. I still need to watch that. The anime. Oh, you'll love the anime. The anime is really, really good. Yeah. But it kind of cooperates on that same thing. Like you're a regular person, but hey, you want to know what it's like to rob <laughs> a bank. So like you put this thing on, and you experience someone's memory of them robbing a oh, bank. That's exactly like Strange Days, the Catherine Bigelow movie. Oh, there you go. Cool. Wow. So I guess Cyberpunk took it from that. <laughs> yeah, probably. Steve's. Kind of like the Pensieve in Harry Potter. Yes. Sort of. Kind of. Really. Everything's derivative of something okay, else. Okay, so does, does uh, I almost call him Gandalf. Does Dumbledore forget those memories when he puts them in the Pensieve, or does he just make a copy I, of them? I think copy. it's a copy. Okay. Yeah, it's a I, I would have liked that that spell requires some kind of sacrifice, though. Like, he, in exchange for, like, having it forever, he takes it out of his mind. But he forgets it. But he has like an endless storage of that information. Yeah. So like then he doesn't remember, but he can go to that thing. And be like oh, that. He just copy pastes it onto his uh, wizard laptop, basically. Pretty much, yeah. He's but transferring data. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I like the idea. Of, I like I like the idea of being sacrifice sacrificed and being involved, especially in what I consider that to be like high grade memory magic. That's you just like yeah. when characters are miserable. That's why. No, I like when there's a cost. There's lead to magic. Like that seems powerful. Like I don't know why Avada Kedavra doesn't give some kind of toll on the user. I agree with Connery. That would have been a much more satisfying way to write the fair- the Harry Potter books in general. Is like that magic has a cost, not just like endless wish fulfillment. As long as you hold the magic words in your mouth, you know. Yeah, it, it's just well, too at least easy. Curses. Yeah. You both are just masochistic. So. We'll talk about. <laughs> yes. Well, so is Rowling. So. Yeah, she loves everyone hating her. Um, yeah, I was like, she loves what's happening right now. Then <laughs> she basks in it. Cover Harry Potter in 2092 or whatever. So excited. She's too rich yes. to care. Did you guys have? We've talked about all the ways that this film has let us down, but like, I'd be interested in hearing from. I think Connery and Tyler liked it like the least. What your favorite part of this film was? If you can find like a favorite part. Oh, easy. I, I love all the animals in it. I always like all the creature design. I think all the, everybody looks really cool, so that's another thing that I really like about it. Like, so the visuals of this are the biggest highlight for me, where, like, where I feel like the story is trash. I feel like everything else is really, really cool. You're trash, where, like, Brack. I like the... <laughs> you're trash, Brack. <laughs> or, like, I like like the fairy wing manta thing. I think that's a really cool idea. I really like it. I liked all the fish. I think the whales do look cool. And what else? There's other things in this movie that I like. Probably some story that I like. Yeah, I liked the ending a lot, where they kind of where Jake finally realizes, oh, I because I, I maybe that's the case. Like it, the whole movie, he's a shit dad. Then by the end of it, he realizes like me being this way cost me my firstborn son. So I have to like be better and kind of like that circle hug in the end with all of them being like, I feel like it's a result. Like we're going to be better and we're going to stick together and not just be like. We're not a strike force military group. We're a family. And that's what I felt like that was. I was like, that's good. I feel like that. So I like that resolution in the end. So, yeah, that's what I liked. Uh, yeah, I really like the flying fish <laughs> that they connect <laughs> oh, yeah. to. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like- that, one, that one's really fun. <laughs> I forgot about those. 
Uh, I like. Uh, how do they go? How do they go? <laughs> they can't see me, Jacob. I'm just we I'm can. Just and yeah, now just... we're gonna have to post this video on TikTok. Oh no. <laughs> uh, I like I like the uh, water Navi village. It's very chill vibes. It's like Fiji or something. Mm -hmm. Like the water is so clear, yeah. and they just hang out in these nets and stuff. It's not like. I was almost expecting it to be like an underwater city or something, but I'm glad it wasn't just like here's Atlantis. It, it was, it mm. felt like. Oh, the Gungan city. <laughs> Coastal village. Otogunga. Otogunga. Um, other than that, I don't know. I I find Miles Quaritch to be an interesting character. If more stuff happened with him, I I want to know what happens next with him. That's probably like my main reason for watching the third movie coming out. Plus. I heard there's going to be fire Navi in it, so it's like, okay, this Thank works God, on me, good. this marketing. Like, I guess that's all this movie needs to do is be like, but what if there's a fire one? Like, just action figure logic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like Bionicles one. or something. Yes. Flame Ooh. on, hot man. <laughs> As they say in the uh, last Airbender counterpart. You know, Aww. technically, the, the Enya girl, their daughter is like the Avatar. Because she's in control of everything, right? Basically, yeah. yeah. So she's going to like have all of that understanding and empathy from walking all of these different elemental walks of life to be able yeah. to either unite or plug into some sort of power that saves them all. It's pretty easy to know where this is going. She's, um, she, she's going to have some sort of avatar state situation go on in like the last movie. Do you think that in the end of all this, they'll... I feel like we have talked about this now, otherwise we're not going to talk about this for another 13 years. But do you guys feel like in the end of this, she will become this like super Christ-like, I have, I can like tap into A Ao, Aoa, Ao Anya? Anya. Awa Taylor-Joy. Awa Taylor-Joy. Yes. Anytime I want. And become this super being. Do you think that in the, it will be more balanced with like, the humans will probably be like, this is like our last chance. Like we've shepherded everybody over here. Will it be balanced or will it be complete purging of humanity? And will, if that's so, will that be really the right thing to do, exchanging one genocide for another? Um, right. I feel like it's probably going to go more that route where it's like she becomes kind of like uh, Dark Phoenix or something where it's, it's yeah. like, oh, destroying all the humans to get off. And then even like the Navi realize that that's not good. And I don't know. She also has a physical body, like a corporal body corporeal body so it'll eat away at her kind of like Darcidious or something those are just my theories where it's like I'd love one that. body can only hold so much of uh, Pandora Forest God yeah <laughs> right I mean she has those seizures that like literally are life endangering to her when she gets I guess too close to the source would you say is kind oh, of the thing yeah, I guess so yeah. Yeah. yeah when she literally plugs in yeah, so it could be kind of like um interesting to see if like she is able to you know somehow learn to handle how intense her connection with Awa is or if it's a thing where like she doesn't need to be connected because she already is connected by being kind of born through Sigourney Weaver's like communion with Awa when she died. Yeah, this <laughs> who 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 knows, man? Who knows? I James think Cameron. I think Spider's going to yeah. become a bad guy, though. That's yeah? my guess for the next film or two. Mm. I think that Korich is actually going to die at some point, mm. and Spider is going to have to decide who he thinks is more right, and he's probably going to choose Korich's path for whatever reason. 
And he I agree already because I think he has a fear of the mom as is. Like she was so scary to him that I think like that's gonna push him. Like how like ruthless she is. He's gonna be like, oh, I don't belong with these people. Like this is should she do that to me probably as easily as she did to all of them. Right. Yeah, I think that that's definitely a setup that is intentionally included. Mm-hmm. Maybe a switch of like the son becomes evil and joins the military, and the dad, Corich, uh, joins the Navi. Probably like that little switch of tables. That'd be interesting. Could be. I feel like he'd he'd have to die. He'll die, and it'll be the responsibility of like Jake Sully or the mom even again, and that will make Spider switch. I just want Corich to switch sides. That's the only reason. That's the only justification I could see him being there. Oh yeah, he'll, he'll switch sides, but he'll in doing so he'll probably prove to Spider some like truth that what's happening is un- either unwinnable, in which case he'll switch sides. I think whatever motivation it'll be out of fear and not like rage or hate, it'll be out of fear. And I, I think uh, the Enya girl, it'll be really cool if she ends up becoming an antagonist in some degree. That'd be cool. But I like the Dark Venus Phoenix analogy, Tyler. Thanks. Yeah, it would be really cool. Hopefully that happens, and more so. Maybe not more so, but I do see it possible where she'll end up being the deus ex machina when the military's about to have like make the one final nuclear weapon move, and then she just like goes into her avatar state and like wipes out the military, and then she probably is like, we can cohabitate with the humans we like. Yeah, I, that's the thing. We want that big turn for her to be a go full, like wipe them all out and have someone stop her, but... Mm. It's literally just going to be her do a full, like, I stopped the missiles. I stopped <laughs> everything else. Now we are all in harmony together. It's like, uh, okay. Meh. We will name the planet now Io. <laughs> what? What is that? Eartha. <laughs> Io? It's from the Matrix. Oh. <laughs> it's the new city that where the humans and the machines cohabitate. Oh, right. Yeah, I was going to say, Throwback. Avatar 4, we find out that all of this is just a simulation in the Matrix. And then it ends Aww. with Keanu Reeves going, whoa. Yeah. We were the avatars <laughs> all along. Yes. Savvy. We're getting pretty long. or uh, We're getting to Avatar way of water length, I think, on this episode. A little bit. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to talk more if you guys are, but I guess I feel like maybe we should wrap it up a little bit, right? Yeah, now's the staring at me that he wants to go. Um, I just wanted to talk yeah. about some real quick tech stuff. Um, the, the high frame rate. Okay. <laughs> How can I hurry up if I'm showing 48 frames a second, Jacob? That's Ooh. true. Like, did did I, anybody notice the high frame rate? Like the frame rate changing within shots and stuff to be like under cranked yes. where it's like choppy and everything. Yes, yeah. I thought it was just me. Did 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 you oh, guys like I it didn't. or? It looked really cheap. I didn't like it. It looked cheap. <laughs> yeah, because it started becoming choppy, and I'm like, is it because it's too much going on? They couldn't afford the extra frames. That it's like, <laughs> it's like lagging now. Oh <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a buffering issue. I oh, really? realized exactly. it switched That's to a different frame rate. Oh. I was like, oh, like the internet is spotty on this download or whatever. Like a, like yeah. a video game, like loading in the area ahead of you, and you do a stutter step. <laughs> uh, exactly. That's a yeah. good point. Yeah, I guess also because. The, some of the beginning shots of the movie where they're flying on the banshees and stuff, it's like so hyper clear because it's like in 48 yeah. or maybe even 60 frames per second. Mm. That it just like feels right. like a video game. And I'm like, oh, like some of this I do like a lot. Other parts, it just makes it not look like a movie anymore. But some of the action scenes I felt like were so clear that it worked 
both in its benefit and against it. Like the underwater one when they're chasing after the kids and they're trying to swim away. Like it felt so clear right. that there was almost like no, it's just like, oh, okay, I'm just watching. Like there's not enough camera movement or like zoom ins or anything for it to still be kinetic. It's just like we're watching them move around. And that's just the kind of action he wants to show with, with the high frame rate and everything. So I'm like, okay, I get it. But like, I don't know if I love it. So some shots I liked a lot, especially near the end of the movie. A lot of, they do a lot of under cranking in the shot from like 48 to 24. They bring it down or maybe even to 18 or something when some big action's about to happen and they go on Jake's face and it's just like, you know, I thought some of that stuff yeah. was interesting, but. I don't know. It seems like most people don't really <laughs> care. So it's like, well, the movie looks beautiful. Just that's a fact. Yeah, it's like was was all of that was some of that necessary or was it gratuitous? I guess you know. Probably to an extent, maybe it was necessary because that thing of me and Marin are talking about didn't happen a lot. Thank goodness. Yeah. But uh, if it happened more so often and we didn't notice it, then that's a win on their part. Yeah, I feel like it's almost it's like a way to intentionally. Like, that's something you people definitely notice whether they understand it or not. So it's, like, yeah. a visual flair of, like, artistic expression, but is that really... I think it's done better in this movie than any other movie that's done it so far, except for, like, Gemini Man, which looked really good at high frame rate. But <laughs> yeah. Like, it looks way better than the Hobbit was, movies and stuff, but... That was fun. And then other, other than that, just Sigourney Weaver being, like, a 14-year-old in this, like, I think that's kind of the best way to do that tech, as opposed to, like, de-aging people, which I'm so tired of. Like, Agreed. if you're going to make someone be young, like, just make them a nine-foot-tall alien instead, I guess. Like, it works really well for me. It felt natural. <laughs> right. I don't know. Or just cast a different actor or actress. Like, come on. We've been doing it for decades. Just just do that. Why didn't you just cast Zendaya? <laughs> exactly. They could have made it work. I think Sigourney Weaver is one of my favorite parts of this movie. <laughs> I, I understand, like, not everyone's going to like that, but. She, she is was a good. Gem. She put on a good job. Yes, and it will entirely fuck this franchise over if anything happens to her, so. She needs to live. Stay healthy, Sigourney, for multiple we reasons. Need, we need you at 80 for this movie. Yes. And she probably did all her scenes already because they did some of the movies already. They shot three, oh, right, so right. maybe she dies in the third one or something, and that's how they get out of it. I hope not. Or this form of her dies in the third one. <laughs> so she just keeps coming back. Right. Yeah. She just keeps reincarnating. <laughs> yeah. Always happy to see Sigourney Weaver. Any last thoughts, everybody, before we wrap it up and ship off back to Earth? <laughs> I have one. Okay. What is it, Jacob? Yeah, just on the stuff we were talking about earlier about you know making progress with um, cultural representation and whatnot. Pretty much it's going to be slowly but surely, honestly. But I wanted to bring up the example of uh, Martin Scorsese's new movie, Killer of the Flower Moon. Apparently, because the movie takes place, what, on like this area of land owned by the Assad Nation. I really hope I'm saying that right. And he had concluded people from that nation to make the movie. So he came in with this white person version of the movie. And then once people from that community got their hands on the story and they saw what he wanted to do with it and how the community is involved with the story he was able to take their input in order to properly represent them and to make it more authentic so yeah because the actress was talking about it she's at Sundance right now and she was saying it was a completely different movie when they first brought it in and now after everybody's been collaborating on it from the from the nation 
it's now something truly authentic to their to what they dealt with at that time since this is a true story and it's it it's authentic to the nation as well so yeah just slowly but surely just it's not hard there's a bunch of it's just like what ua was saying on your guys' episode with prey just there's creatives everywhere in every community and it's not hard to include them yeah it's True. almost like filmmaking is a collaborative medium <laughs> it's like you just have to reach out to people <laughs> right. exactly. exactly it's not that hard almost like it's more effort to disclude people who have good opinions than include people who have good and relevant opinions right yeah. yeah i just feel yeah. like there had to have been a discussion at some point in the writers room while making avatar 2 that like about yeah appropriation and everything but maybe nobody did because everyone's scared of james cameron i don't know <laughs> maybe nobody <laughs> wanted to bring it up to him Maybe he was like, we're fine, we're fine. No, we're good. I talked to somebody, we're yeah. good. West City was in the first one. He likes it all. I have his permission, we're good. <laughs> yeah, that's I got Cliff right. Curtis in this, so it's fine that Kate Winslet's his wife in it. It's fine, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, we're good. Whatever. We're good. <laughs> I'm excited for that movie because it's got a stacked cast, too. Oh, yeah. Mm. I'm excited for it, too. Jesse Plemons, Tantu Cardinal, B-Phrase, Brendan Fraser, and Ooh. Jack White, question mark? Jack White? Of course. From... Of course. Uh, oh shoot! The black no, what? The black stripes, yes. <gasps> yes, the black stripes, the white stripes. Yeah. <laughs> I got them confused with the black keys. I'm so sorry. From uh, what's that <laughs> movie called? It's not Brokeback Mountain. It's uh, Cold Mountain. <laughs> He's in Cold Mountain. Jack White's in Cold yeah, Mountain. He plays a musician in it. <laughs> well, on that note of Jack White discussion, <laughs> <laughs> anybody else have final uh, thoughts? Marin shaking her head no. Marin wants to leave <laughs> the movie theater. I've been concise with my thoughts. Yeah, I think I think we're all I think we're all done here. <laughs> we're all done. <laughs> all right, let's launch the ship. Do do do. You gotta hit the. You have to hit the glass against the ship. Right. It's not breaking. It's like the oh no! Exactly. It's a bad sign. <laughs> Far from the shallow. I just want to get one last look at you. Anyway, it's time <laughs> to get on the Titanic 2. Oh, no. Uh, Marin, do you have anything to plug before we go on this cursed flight back to Earth? Oh, God. Um. Watch Coco Melon or what? Sure. <laughs> sure. Watch Coco Melon. All of you, you know, people without children. All of you Navi you know, babies out there. <laughs> All of you Navi babies, we, we're we're gonna get a Navi Coco Melon toddler in, in in about a year or two. It's gonna be great. So you you cool. better catch up. Jacob, what do you have to plug? Uh, go ahead and follow me on uh, my socials, AJ Padster, and uh, follow me on my toy photography that I'm uh, trying to get back into. Well, I've been uh, relatively keeping up with uh, Wide Eyed Wanderer sixty three. And that's on Instagram. And then keep an eye out for our new Table Read uh, Now podcast, where our first episodes will be uh, mine and Lupe's Star Wars What If episodes. So keep uh, yeah, they are fantastic. Eye out for them. We'll share the. Of course, thank you. We'll share the link when it's out. Stay posted. For sure. For sure. Yes, it's it's the franchise presents Star Wars What If. No, No. (laughs) it's just gonna be called that Uh, when it comes out. <laughs> we're just instantly like, no. <laughs> okay, we'll do it. Uh, yeah, we'll do it. <laughs> just 
You can have all our listeners. You guys could sponsor. <laughs> Ooh, an ad for us on there. Wow. Let's do it. Mm, that's interesting, right? Yeah. Love it. We can share ads. There you go. Sister podcast. Connor, what do you have plugged? Yeah. Uh, if you enjoy the sound of my voice, you'll enjoy tabletop role-playing games. If you also enjoy Jacob Padilla's voice, you might enjoy Starship mm. Impala. It's an actual play role-playing game podcast hosted by me and four other friends. It's long over, but still a lot of fun to listen to, if you ask me. Uh, I'm currently re-listening to it right now. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's nice. But, yeah, um, <laughs> over 100 episodes, and uh, it's on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Keep check it out. Tyler, what do you nice. have to plug? Uh, I have one last thing in my notes. I just wrote down the name Colin Trevorrow, and I have no idea why. <laughs> I'm not going to defend that. <laughs> don't know why it's there uh follow me on instagram and twitter at tiami vice and follow us on all social medias at franchise pod email us at franchise podcast at gmail.com with anything you want us to cover questions comments whatever we want to talk about movies with you talk to us about yes. movies i wish we had time to play this game but this episode's already long but let us know Ugh. if there's any now that uh, avatar is part of the disney whatever umbrella let us yeah. know what <laughs> tag team you'd like to see with jake Sully. do you want to see goofy hang out with jake Sully? Do you want to see Luke Skywalker hang out with Jake Sully? I, I want to see the next Kingdom Hearts have a Sora <laughs> avatar. Avatar? Yes. <laughs> Runs Yo, through Pandora. I think that's the best we can, anyone could possibly do. Yes. Yeah, you win, Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> uh, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and like, share, and subscribe. It'll help us to grow the show. Thank you to Nick Viverka for our music and Grayson Hansen for our artwork. And until next time, can't put babies in cryo, dipshit. <laughs> well, that's what I call low-quality HD <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.